Hey, it's the Goose and Renee More Stuff podcast. Welcome to episode number two. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I want to bring this up right off the bat because I just had something happen to me. Um, Renee, when's the last time you remember where you ate something and you're like, oh, that's the best version of that I've ever had? Hmm. Do you remember? Yeah, my fiance and I, we had date night a few weeks back and... We went and had Mr. Paul's chop salad, the the Caesar salad that they do table side. Okay. If you've never had it, you have to. You'll never eat another Caesar salad again. Really? It's amazing. They they do it all table side right there. Those table side salads are good. Oh. I we just uh, after the show today before we started the recording this podcast, we ran downstairs to a little coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I just needed a little something. Their cinnamon rolls. That's the best that's the best cinnamon roll. I've I've ever had. I've never had it, but I've smelled it, and that alone tells me everything I need. Well, I'll to know. tell you what. He gave me two big chunks, and mm-hmm. I could only eat half of the second chunk. So if you want, uh, if you want a little bit, then uh, you can have a little bit of this, oh, thanks, uh, a little bit of this cinnamon roll. It did happen to me one time when I lived in Maryland. I was doing uh, some radio out in Ocean City, Maryland, and there was a brewery there, and they had this carne asada bowl with the rice and the the um the veggies and it was it was the best like bowl i had ever eaten Authentic. i remember yeah i remember calling the the chef out and i i i literally had to thank the chef really yeah and i remember when i left there to come back here going one last time and thank i, I told her i was like this is like one of those meals that you will always remember because it was just so amazingly wow mind blowing. It's always nice when you get that when you discover that oh, this is the best one of these I've ever had. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's kind of like a, a joy in itself. Oh, it absolutely is one hundred percent. Let's uh, let's uh, switch gears real quick and talk about. Um, I don't know if I want to call it a necessarily a medical issue, um, but you brought something up earlier. You've got you've got something going on. You're having a uh, a clothing malfunction. That is bothering you. So here's the problem. I am convinced that one shoulder is bigger, slumpier. I don't know what's going on, (laughs) but I've noticed my bra. And ladies, I know you feel this. You, Goose, cannot relate at all whatsoever. Nor do I expect you to. My bra will not stay up on the shoulder. I've adjusted the strap. Again, I know you know nothing about this. I've adjusted the strap to where I should be able to hold up like a boulder, a mountain. It's not staying, and I'm convinced I'm like, I don't know, disfigured. The sho- Something's not right. And it's just one shoulder, though. It's just the one shoulder. And if I take more than 20 steps, it falls down. So, and it's not even just this bra. I've noticed it's starting to happen, and I distinctly remember my grandma doing the bra, grabbing motion, and I'm every Picking day the strap becoming... strap up and putting it, readjusting it on your shoulder. My grandmother... It's a thing. It must be a Vitaly thing Let that me, I'm inheriting. I'm going to Google. Uh, let's see. What do you Google? Droopy shoulder syndrome. Is this a WebMD thing? I don't even know where you begin. What What do we do here? Uh, droopy Droopy shoulder syndrome. No. DSS. I mean, everything's a little droopy. So what what is this now? Is uh, characterized by a depression of the shoulder that stretches the brachial plexus, thus causing pain without any signs of neurological impairment. Oh well. It doesn't hurt. I don't it know just if you have that. like droops. Um, why is my bra sliding off my <laughs> shoulder? 
Let's try that one. You know what's going to happen now? You're going to start getting bra ads, targeted bra ads in your Facebook and everything else. <laughs> a lot of questions are going to be yep. coming up. Victoria's uh, Secret. Let's see. It's most likely a case of loose straps, but women sometimes experience this issue in combination with gaping cups. Oh, <laughs> are you having a gaping cup issue? I don't know. we got a lot of issues. Gaping cups, let's add to it. All right. Sure. Well, you may want to try a smaller cup size <gasps> maybe i lost weight the, oh there the, you go the zinzatas are the first thing where you lose the what the girls that's italian slang i'm very excited it came out italian slang for the girls is what zinzatas zinzatas <laughs> okay yeah but you're right that is the first place you lose weight and you've been working on this because you got your wedding coming up and yep. so you've been uh dieting that's the and problem there it is one is more right small there. than the other that totally can i feel happen. like that's the case maybe well, let's see this person on more.com put help exclamation point my bra straps keep sliding off my shoulders um number one your cup size is too big Yep, you're using a bra size that's too big. So Who knew that I could come to you for this answer? Never in a million years. You just uh, have to understand that you need to get an itty-bitty... Th- Never mind. <laughs> we'll move. <laughs> that, but that's a good issue to have. I'll take this as a win. Why, I'm going to put it in the win column. Why wouldn't you? And now I'm going to let you know whenever I get uh, uh, Victoria's Secret ads popping up. Oh, on it's going to happen. Now. Uh, what else did we have to talk about this morning? Um, oh, I know, uh, there, I was so mad at myself, uh, for being Mr. Oblivious today because over the past probably two weeks, uh, I've been bringing an extra K cup with me Mm -hmm. to make some coffee. And so we've got our little Keurig machine and right next to the Keurig machine is the microwave. Right. And over the past two weeks, I have noticed day by day, more K cups are ending up on top of the microwave. Yeah, we have like a little kitchenette. Yeah. But here's the thing. These are used K-cups. It's they've gross. got the they've got the hole punctured right through yeah. them. You know that someone opened up the Keurig machine, they took out the K-cup, they put it on top of the microwave, and then they put their new K-cup in. And I've been looking at it and I've been looking around because I can under kind of understand why the K-cups are building up on top of the microwave because there's no trash can in right. that area. And then yesterday there was actually a trash can there. The problem was the trash can that was put out was filled to the brim. In fact, there were like water bottles like balancing. Strategically placed. Yes. Yes. And then today, the garbage can was gone again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, that was no use, no help whatsoever. No. So why why would you just bring the, the, the garbage can out for one day until you stepped out while I was making my coffee? Yeah, I went to the fridge to grab my cottage cheese, and you had pointed out the accumulation of K-Cups And you're like, because there's no trash, blah, blah, blah. See, what people don't realize is that there is this huge flap that goes back and forth. Kind of like when you're at a fast food restaurant and, you know, there's that flap where you're supposed to insert your tray for your trash and it says trash on it. Uh We have that exact same thing. In fact, it says trash on it. It does. And so I said... Yeah, there's trash right here. And I flapped the little flapper, and sure enough, you look as it's flapping back and forth, and there's the trash can sitting in there. This reminds me of the conversation we had where it took me nine months to notice 
on our elevator doors in the Fisher Building lobby. Right. That there are actual like what would you call them? Uh, illustrations of people engraved, engraved in into fact. the door, and it yeah. says it says things like chemistry and architecture, and they have all the they arts, have caricatures of people. Yeah, yeah. And for nine months, standing in front of those doors, I never noticed the engravings on the door. You're not very observant. But what's weird is I usually am. I'm usually very observant. Mm. I I totally am, and I don't understand. But how. I don't fully blame you. I blame producer Kyle. Yeah, this is uh, also interesting because um, producer Kyle, uh, come to learn, you are the reason that we uh, have K-cups all over the, the microwave. <laughs> I started the pile. <laughs> I did it. So you did not notice the trash flapper either. There was no trash in it the first time. So I started a pile, and it just grew. Other people have been adding. And there was like, I don't know, probably about 20 of those K-cups. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. So there's you were saying the first time you, you knew about the trash flap. Yeah. But there was no trash inside the trash there, flap. No, I threw my first K-cup in there, and it kind of just made like a thud sound. Right. So I looked in, and I was like, oh, nothing in there. Guess that's rude. Now, you do know you could have walked the K-cup into like the studio where there's a garbage. Uh, Which, by the way, did you know this is not a real garbage? It's not a real garbage? No, I made it a garbage can. Apparently, we don't have garbage cans in this place. There's a, sh- a shortage of them. What is it? That's actually a planter that I turned into a garbage That's can. That's a giant planter? Yeah. Oh. We a planter. Why don't Look we have that thing a thing up. It's heavy. It's a planter. Why don't we have a garbage can? I don't know. All I know is everybody made fun of me when I did that a year ago today, as a matter of fact. And it's still the garbage can. we moved into can. our brand new studios, millions of dollars on this fancy schmancy equipment, and we couldn't get a garbage can. So I took the planter from the 70s and brought it up here. Where did you find the planter? On the seventh floor as they were oh, hauling out all the old studios. These, yeah, the stuff from the old studios. Stealing all the stuff back? Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, all right. So we have to get to uh, something I am very excited about because as we uh, continue to do the Goose and Renee More Stuff podcast, we're going to do some stuff that we can't necessarily do on the show. And this is going to be one of those things. We may play some snippets, mm-hmm. but to, to hear the whole thing, I'm very excited about this. This is going to be a segment called You Do What? Because have you ever, I don't know, seen someone uh, while you're out and about or maybe uh, seen a title on a TV show or a movie or just thought to yourself, who does that job? I've always wondered, like, when you watch a movie, what's the best boy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what makes him the best boy? I think that has to do with the electrician yeah, group. I think so, too. I think. But so this segment uh, that we're going to do on this podcast every so often is called you do what? And it's basically we're going to talk to people with really cool jobs, uh, not only around Metro Detroit, but around the world as well. And uh, that's what we're going to start with because uh, I am very lucky. I happen to have someone very close to me, my brother, who is a Broadway producer. Uh, if you know anything about musicals, uh, you may have heard of the musical Rent. You may have heard of the musical Hamilton or Avenue Q. Uh, those are all my brother's shows uh, that he has brought to Broadway. So uh, let's get him on the phone. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Renee. Good morning. Good morning. I've heard so much about you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
so here's the deal. This this is a segment of uh, the podcast that we're going to be doing every so often called You Do What? And basically, it's really just to kind of talk to people who have uh, unique, interesting jobs. And uh, I think yours would most certainly class- classify as a unique, interesting job because I think we've all been watching a TV show or a movie or if you've re- flipped through a playbill, if you've been to a show, you know who the actors are. You know who you're there to see. You know who the director is. But you are a Broadway producer. So if someone were to look up, like, producer in the dictionary, what, what would it say? How would you describe it? Well, you know what? I'm going to start this um, by going to my own. Uh, I, I, you know what? I wanted to answer this in, um, in three sentences. So in my own Instagram account where you find, you know, my um, bio, I write produce, colon, one, to bring into existence give rise to two to create bring forth and then i added my own three that's not from webster's dictionary and that was sell tickets (laughs) yeah makes sense that absolutely makes sense i guess that would be your number one goal is to sell tickets for sure because my entire existence is based on selling tickets. And um, when I can't sell tickets, I'm done. Yeah, okay. I, I like that measure. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's absolutely Yeah. You know, speaking of selling tickets, um, when I was doing a little research on you, I, I learned that you invented Broadway's first rush ticket and lottery ticket policies. And, and you know, to break it down, essentially that's making it feasible for not just privilege to experience Broadway shows from the good seats, but it kind of gives everyone else the opportunity to do that. So uh, talk about that a little bit. What what were your thoughts and how did you come up with that idea? Well, Renee, you're making me think all the way back to the time I saw my first Broadway musical, which was on tour at the Fisher Theater in Detroit. And my I wanted to go see this show called Shenandoah, which was a mild hit from like 1975, 76. It was on tour in seven. I, I was going to see it in the winter of 78. And I told my mom and dad and um, they couldn't afford to send the whole family. So my mom said, Mark, take your son. And we could afford two $10 tickets. Wow. And at that time at the Fisher Theater, you could sit in the balcony, not the rear balcony, but like the middle balcony for $10. That was the first time I got to see Broadway musicals. Wow. And it was because, A, my parents were willing to find $10 times two and, um, and sacrifice by saying, we won't all go, just my dad to take me because it was so meaningful to me. Now, fast forward, and now I'm a kid in New York City, and I remember sometimes there were Broadway musicals I couldn't see when I got here when I was 22 years old because I couldn't afford them. Right. And by the time I did Rent with my business partner, Kevin McCollum, we were, I was 31 years old, and it had only been like two or three years before that where I couldn't afford a Broadway full-price ticket. So I knew from the get-go we needed to ensure that anybody can come see Rent regardless of their economic circumstances. 
uh, about a year and three months into the rent run to make it a lottery so you didn't have to show up eight hours or even 24 hours in advance. You could just show up for the lottery. And then that became the tradition on Broadway um, really from that moment forward. And um, many Broadway musicals still employ it today. Now, uh, speaking of that, you know, I didn't really give you a proper introduction, you know, besides being my brother and a Broadway producer, but Rent being your first big hit. And I think uh, you would you would have to go very, very far away to find someone who doesn't know what Rent is. Right. But Rent definitely changed uh, changed Broadway forever. And what was it, uh, speaking to, to someone who might have an idea or be nervous about something new that doesn't fit the norm, what was it about Rent or what was it in you that was like, this might work, this doesn't fit the Broadway norm, but I think we've got something here? Great question, um, Aaron. Well, first of all, as you know, we, we talked a little bit about a producer bringing something into existence. And the first and most important decision I make is what do I want to do? And how does that work, that musical, somehow reflect my values, my desires, my likes, um, my yearnings? And um, I was never into old-fashioned, traditional Broadway musicals like 42nd Street um, when I was in high school, and by the way, so my young brother Aaron, when I'm in high school, is like two, three, four years old. This is true. <laughs> wow, well, I thought you were uh, the younger brother. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I think I might look like the younger brother. Uh, <laughs> he was the baby. This is true. When Jonathan Larson exposed me to rent for the first time, it just moved me. It moved me inside. And when something moves me like that, that's when I say I have to do it. I didn't know that it would work. I did not think it would become a phenomenon. I was just hoping it would be a pretty good off-Broadway show to start my producing career. How, that, that's another valid point because it obviously – it exploded. It took the world by storm. I mean, I remember cover of Newsweek. It was on Today Show. Good morning. It was everywhere. And this was really your first big show as a producer. So you had, I'm assuming you had mentors. You kind of knew what a producer does. And so you're ready to, to tip your toe in the pool and be a producer. But all of a sudden, you've got this worldwide phenomenon on your hand. How did that, I mean, that's like, that's, a, that's a, 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 just being thrown in the fire. How, how did, how was that? And I don't say that with arrogance, but I started producing things before you were born, Aaron. Like in fifth grade, I said, you know what? I want to do a winter camp because in our school district of Oak Park, they had their first like February break where like you're off for a week in February. Right. And like nobody in our neighborhood was going to go to Florida. Everybody was poor. And so I said, let's do a camp for the kindergartners and the first graders. And I got my best friend to get his next door neighbor to let us use their unheated garage. (laughs) They had the only garage in the neighborhood, by the way. And, And they said, you can use the garage if our kids could go for free. And I charged the kids a quarter a day. But if you bought the whole week in advance, it was a buck. No way. And I'm in fifth grade. And, and so I got my friends to be the, all the counselors, and we did a winter camp in February, and we got 20 kids, and we made 20 bucks. 
Look at you. It really is unbelievable. It is. In retrospect, I have no idea why a parent would entrust their kindergartner (laughs) with a fifth grader. But it all worked out well. They just wanted to figure out, like, they just want to get that kid out of the house for the day. Right, right, right. So anyway, but that was like the first thing I produced. It wasn't even a play, but it was a camp. Let me ask you this. So I'm a parent, and I want to introduce my young child to the the arts and the theater. And, you know, because I, listen, I was in band my whole life, my my whole, uh, you know, education. I want to introduce my kids. I think it's so important. What do you suggest would be an important play to introduce them to? An important show. Not necessarily, it doesn't even have to be one of your shows. What do you think is a great show to introduce the kids to it? I have to say, I don't think one could really go wrong if you want to introduce your kids to musicals. You know, you could, if you're Christian and you like rock music, introduce them to Jesus Christ Superstar. Which is here uh, right now. You know, if you're more bohemian, introduce them to Rent. Um, I, you know, I think that there are so many great options. Um, I, you know, if they're teenagers, um, I would introduce them to Avenue Q. You know, it's funny you bring that up. A little, little lesser known show, Avenue Q, if you don't know, and uh, the, the show that uh, was somewhat of a follow up to, to Rent that my brother did is, mm-hmm. is Sesame Street for adults. Half the characters are puppets, but you can see the humans holding the puppets on their hand. Okay. And then the other characters are humans. In fact, one of the portrayed characters, Gary Coleman, you remember Gary Coleman? Yeah, of course. What's talking about, Willis? Yeah. Someone plays a version of Gary Coleman. Really? And I say Sesame Street for adults because one of the songs in the musical is Everyone's a Little Bit Racist. <laughs> one, of, one of the songs in the musical is The Internet Was Created for Porn. <laughs> uh, it, it is uh, mind-blowing it, when you see this for the first I'm time. I'm sold. I want to see this. <laughs> yes. Oh, it, it is great. But you know what? Yeah. And... Not for a 10-year-old, but for a 15-year-old, absolutely. It could be funny. I, I'm going to ask a, a sidebar question just because, um, you know, Jeffrey, he is the other man in my life every day. Tell me tell me something I need to know about your brother. <laughs> give me, give me a nugget, good or bad. Give me some ammunition I may not know. Well, I have two funny images. One is me moving to New York. And Aaron coming to visit me. So if I'm 22, he is eight. And uh, um, he comes to visit with the most sweetest little blue little suitcase. And here's little (laughs) eight-year-old Aaron walking with me through Times Square with his little blue suitcase. And we, of course, stop at McDonald's to have dinner before we get on the subway to go home. And then just flash to, so that's like 1980s. Six, and then go just 10 years later, and now Aaron is a, still a high school student, I think, Aaron, when Rent opens, and Aaron is sitting in the front row at the Nederlander Theater, and Anthony Rapp, who plays Mark, the yeah. narrator of Rent, comes on stage, and before the show starts, he said, we wish to dedicate this performance and every performance to Jonathan Larson, and it was very emotional, and the whole audience clapped. And do you know who the first person was who stood up in his seat? It was Aaron Seller. 
What and a petunia. Aaron oh. led the standing ovation for Jonathan Larson before the performance began at the opening night of Rent on Broadway. Goose. And he was not even 18. What? Who I, knew you had a heart in there? Uh, you know, it shows every so often. Who? Uh, I love that story. Thank you. I, I you know, the, and, and I. Should I be saying goose? I no, no, it no. doesn't. No, not at all. Not I don't at know. All. You don't know Goose, and I don't know Aaron, so we're good. <laughs> okay, good. Um, who is it now? You know, obviously, uh, through the years, you uh, have obviously built a, re- a reputation. You've had uh, success. For someone who, uh, you know, may be going into business, whether it be as a producer or any sort of business, I think all of us have, because we've talked about Rent and Avenue Q. Uh, we haven't even gotten to Hamilton yet, which is another right. one of your shows. And again, you think Rent is big. Look at Hamilton. I mean, you can't, it's, it's all over the place, which again brought you another Tony Award. But in between those shows, there have been some shows that you've, put money into shows that you have produced like you said your number one job is to sell tickets there have been some that haven't sold the most amount of tickets that have closed you may have even lost money on this so as someone uh in the business world uh what would you say to someone who has had a failure or maybe two failures uh about rebounding and coming back and still trying what what would kind of be your advice there well there are so many examples of business people who fail and fail and fail and then finally come up with the winning formula that results in like a chain like McDonald's or something like that. And um, here we are, folks. We're on this earth for 80 years, if we're lucky, maybe even 90 years in this new age where medicine has advanced. But that's it. And our job is to get up and try again. And that means... um, selling my new product, making a new product. Um, That means um, trying to run that race faster. That means um, trying to make a great painting or write a great song. Um, That means asking, how can I teach geometry in a more understandable way for my students? Yeah. That means how do I help my patients? How do I diagnose my patients in a way that can bring them greater relief? And all of us are going to fail over and over. And the job is to wake up the next day and try again, because that's what it means to be alive. That's a great answer. That is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever met someone, and, and maybe this is how it goes for you, because, again, I'm still learning exactly what it is you do, but have you met someone and said, I don't know what it is, but I want to make something around you? Like, you don't even know, you know, instead of having an idea of what you want the production to be, you've met the person and said, I want to make something around them? Sure. Well, in many ways, my initial interaction with Jonathan Larson was that Jonathan had written a one-man show called Boho Days that ultimately became a show called Tick, Tick, Boom that ultimately was made into a movie starring Andrew Garfield that my friend Lin-Manuel Miranda directed. Yes. Great film, and I highly recommend this film. It's on on Netflix now. It It is unbelievable. Yes. And I saw the very first performance that Jonathan ever did of that 
And I, I didn't think that it would become a show that could get an audience every week for 52 weeks. But I thought your music, your characters are talking to me, are illuminating my life. Wow. Are, are, are moving me and making me laugh and stimulating me in all the most powerful ways. And I said, I want to produce. And so then I wrote a letter to Jonathan Larson the next day and said, I want to produce your musicals. And that was in 1990 and Rent opened in 1996. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. It really is. All right. Well, I know you got to go. One final question. I asked this. Uh, this is just kind of fun for all the all the professionals we talk to because uh, you've got a very specific job. And I'm sure uh, in everyday work life, things are going on. Uh, you're you're on the phone. Let's say it's a business deal or you're, you're talking to tickets. You're talking to a theater. Give me a sentence or two of producer jargon. What's something like the layman <laughs> wouldn't understand if you're on the phone and you're, you're, you're talking a deal, you're talking something business. What, what is a, a sentence or two you would say in some sort of meeting? <laughs> well, the thing that we talk about more than anything else are the raps. Tell me, what did we wrap yesterday? I need to know what we wrapped yesterday. And, what we, and, and, and I'm, I'm thrilled right now because I'm doing Sweeney Todd on Broadway right now. And I looked at my phone this morning and it said, we wrapped $265,000 yesterday. And I immediately texted that to my director, Tommy Kale. And you want to know what the hell is a wrap? And, you know, it's W-R-A-P, not R-A-P. And the wrap <laughs> is how many dollars I brought into the box office yesterday for the future. So yesterday, we brought in $265,000 for Sweeney Todd for the future. And that's what we call the wrap. It's how many dollars I brought in. It's what did I sell. Hey, it's all it's about the wrap. It's the dollar value of what I sell. And I live and die every single morning by my wrap. So that's a wrap? That's where it came from? <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are. Speaking of Sweeney Todd, can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks for the official opening night of Sweeney Todd. I'm assuming things are going well with the preview and everything. Well, if I wrapped 265 yesterday, that means things are going well. Things are going well. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. You, you too. too. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I don't know if I could handle being a Broadway producer. That seems like too much for me. Too much. Too, <laughs> too much. I don't, I don't want all that kind of pressure. I can handle you in limited quantities. I don't know if I could handle all that. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah it's a lot. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, that was You Do What, uh, you know, taking a look at all these really cool jobs that uh, people may have, uh, that being the first one, uh, Broadway producer. Super so fascinating. You want to get into it. Uh, you can hear the full interview on our website because we spent like 30 minutes with my brother. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear the full thing, uh, it'll be up on our website uh, under the podcast section at newcountry931.com. Thank you so much for joining us for Goose and Renee's More Stuff podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will see you again on Friday Ciao. for another episode. Goose and Renee, New Country 93.1.